So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King, the afternoon after. Hello, my friend. Historic. 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 But you know, and I'm smiling when I say that because um, I recorded a pod earlier uh, with Robin Schoolin and Michael Vandervoort um earlier this week and and we kind of we kind of had some fun around that whole this is a historic election and i quite quite frankly i felt like this is just another election you know it's just another opportunity for folks to show who they are uh another opportunity for us to have to recognize how much more work is necessary yeah uh and i gotta tell you you know julie i'm disappointed I ain't, I'm not even going front. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that the election is this close. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wanted to see a blowout mm-hmm. one way or another. Yeah. Let me, let me explain. I wanted to see a blowout if, in fact, they voted against Biden for whatever reason. I wanted Trump to run away with it. Because then I clearly would know or, or or at least begin the process of maybe dissecting, well, well, why did they divorce themselves from Biden? And we could we could run down the game and, and Monday morning quarterback on that. Was it age? Was it policy? Was it, you know, history? Whiteness. Was it whiteness. whiteness. Hey, white women, yep, yep, I'm looking yep. at you, man. Don't come at me with all your good. shit. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. You know. Or if they if they if they voted against Trump, was it because, you know, I wanted Biden to run away with it because then it would may maybe give you the opportunity to digest or dissect. Was it the antics? Was it all of the tweets? Was it the policies? Was it, you know, um, the fact that he's uh, in F? What what is it? But with it being so close, it is frustrating for me because I'm like. Wow. And you know what I always say, Julie? These are the people that will be sitting at our 
holiday tables, be it Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah. Um, what am I missing? I, these are the people that are in our families and in the cubicles next to us. Well, I mean, I would say that you really got the the Trump runaway, right? I, I mean, I think that uh, Eddie Glad Jr. put it best this morning on MSNBC, and he said, you know, whiteness still dominates America. And like so many people that I've spoken with who are transparent are never going to vote outside of their own selfish interests, which creates a society that we're in now that continues to reinforce white supremacy within our government, our businesses, our electoral systems. We needed a repudiation of Trumpism yesterday, a couple days from now by the time we get this posted. Now, I fully believe that probably by the end of this week, we will have a VP Kamala Harris and a president-elect Biden. I, I think we're going to win. I think, I think that's going to happen. But what we needed to happen to say where we're going as a country did not happen. And that's because white women did not do our job. We moved much further to the right than we were. And we talked a whole lot of shit about how we were going to stand up and we were going to change things. And today we're doing the walk of shame because we did not do what we were supposed to. We did not do what we committed to. We once again failed to bring this country into the 21st fucking century. Sorry. I said we were going to be light today. I, it's all out now. It's not. Um, I, I'm frustrated. And, and, you know, I think Chad and I were talking about it this morning. It's, it's different for us. It's different for him as white people to, to feel this kind of frustration and anger because we weren't aware like we should have been when we were younger. And so I think yeah. it's, you know, I, I appreciate that you say it's, it's just another election. For me, it's, it's not. But I, I absolutely understand in a way that I could never have understood before 2016 what you mean. I, I can't I, I don't yeah. live it. It's not the same. I'm not saying that. But I I empathize with you in a way that I have been unable to in the past. Yeah. And I think that's the most disappointing thing about this is this election is because so many of us feel that that impotence of, of not being able to change the system. And then we just go back and reinforce the whole fucking thing again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did a session earlier uh, in the week and there was a question in the session that asked, you know, about how, how do we overcome our biases? Uh, um, and, and then the, the second and, and very much so immediate question after that was, but, but everything seems to be around racism. 
you know, everything seems to be about color. And, and, and if I don't agree with you, and they weren't speaking directly to me, but if I don't agree with you, then I'm classified as a racist, as a sexist, as a homophobe, um, or as being homophobic. You know, I'm, I, there's something that is categorized on me. And what I shared with the person is, I said, you got to just understand, we are in a moment where that moment resembles the 60s. I said, and so for a number of us who, who are old enough to recognize and reference the 60s, and for those that are younger but unwilling to put up with, you know, the bullshit, it's just a different tenor. You're going to be challenged differently. And so you have to figure out how to get out of your feelings and be able to be in that moment to allow the truth to, to be chased. Because I don't want to make it seem like every time one speaks, you know, that they are the person telling the truth. But, but I do want people to be um, uh, to take on a posture where let me let me stick. It's like a bad dream, Julie. You know, when you have a bad, I don't know how you handle them, but even now at my age, when I'm in a bad dream and and I'm being chased and, you know, the odds of me winning and whatever this scenario is, you know how the punches you throw, they just never seem to be as hard as you want them to be. The, the speed in which you're running never seems to be as fast as you need it to be to, be to get out of that scenario. But there's always a way for you to escape. escape. You, you just wake up. And so I find myself waking up so I don't have to be in these bad dreams. I think people need to, and myself included, and I'm cool with it, but we got to stay in these scenarios that are uncomfortable for us. And, and what this election showed me, it showed me exactly why, exactly why we have pay inequity, why we had Me Too. Why we have a governing body, SHRM. I want you to think about this for a moment. People are paying dues to be a member of SHRM. And they sat back and watched over the last 20 or 30 years, me too. Mm -hmm. The governing body sat back and watched over and over and over again. And if it wasn't the governing body, as in the director of SHRM, it's that membership that convened at all of them damn events that they were doing, knowing that they had all of these infractions happening in their respective organizations yep. and acting as if nothing is wrong. Yep. You cannot tell me that we have an election this close after people have been able to see what the administration has done over the last three years and not find anything, not enough wrong with it, that we don't see a discernible difference between how people effected their right to vote. That is a problem. Yeah. A problem. So you have every right to be frustrated um, and we just got to figure out how to lace up our boots and continue to fight because if we don't fight and capitulate, then yeah. what? And so all we say, you know, well, 
Life is like wrestling a gorilla. You don't quit when you get tired. You quit when the gorilla gets tired. <sighs> yeah, I needed to hear that. I, uh, I honestly almost called you this morning and said, partner, I just, I just can't do it today. I just need some time to process. Um, but I knew I needed to get on here and start thinking about relacing up my boots. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm going to take a little time to mourn this week. And I think that we all should, I think that, I think we're still going to win the white house. I think that we've got to, the Senate is still an open question in my brain, depending on what comes out of Georgia tonight um, or this week. But we have got to fucking do better. That it's just, it's not good enough. It is not good enough. And I have, I have a lot of soul searching I have to do. And, you know, you and I have talked about this offline. I am separated from a good deal of my family now. Um, I've taken a very hard and I think correct stance but I have failed to change anyone's mind. And, yeah. and I don't know how to do that. And I'm, I'm angry at myself because I couldn't do it. And I'm angry at them because it seems so simple to me. Um, but that's why we do this, right? That you and I have had rough days before and we just keep on keeping on and, and we boost each other up when we need it. So that's what we're here for you guys, too. Um, and we got a few things to talk about today outside of my, you know, whining about the election. Well, as it stands, you know, as it stands right now, um, some, some are thinking that the decision is going to go down to the legal system. And let's just hope and pray uh, that they act like they got some sense. Like my grandmother would say, get some of that act right. Ooh, um, that would be nice. You know, so let's, hope, let's hope they get some of that act right. But speaking of legal. Uh, the NAACP uh, Legal Defense and Educational Fund uh, has filed a lawsuit. They filed that lawsuit, Julie, back on October 29th, challenging President Trump's uh, September 22nd executive order on combating race and sex stereotyping. Now, for those of you who might have missed it, I don't know how you would have missed it. Julie and I talked about it uh, on two, maybe three different occasions. Um, and it's been all over the papers. But bottom line is it had a whole lot to do with critical race theory. And it really focused on federal contractors. And, you know, those of us who are smart, we know that um, enterprise and corporate organizations are going to try to lean on that executive order as well to do away or diminish, um, uh, to dilute uh, diversity and inclusion training. But uh, the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund said, mm, not so fast. Um, let's, let's look at how you may be violating our first amendment protection of speech. And let's also look at how you might be in violation of the fifth amendment. Um, because they say, quote, it unconstitutionally vague, it's unconstitutionally vague. So I think, you know, it would be prudent for you and I to kind of put a ticker on and just kind of keep our eye on the NAACP's website, not the NAACP. They are two separate entities. Uh, but you know yeah. what I mean. Keep a, uh, an eye on that, that entity's uh, website to see how this is uh, progressing, especially depending on the outcome of this election. So I'm looking forward to seeing what yeah, happens. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you saw, um, but what is the second? So that was what, Monday? Um, the president issued a 
another executive order promoting protecting America's founding ideals by promoting patriotic education. I won't say what that sounds like, but you all know what you're thinking. And um, through executive order, President Trump is establishing the President's Advisory 1776 Commission, which will work to improve understanding of the history and the principles of the founding of the United States. Yeah. Let me tell you something. You know, and what's amazing to me is the only reason he's doing this is because of the 1619 Project by Nicole Hannah-Jones. It's the only reason... This is being done. And and I'm curious from any educator that's out there, what makes this 1776 project any different than the other watered down history that they've been teaching for the last? It's not. It's the same whitewash ass shit that I've been taught since I, I mean, since I was a kid and has probably been even further weakened since my children have gotten a civic education in this country. I would say primarily one of the big things that we're missing in this country right now is a proper civic education that proves or teaches, excuse me, to young people that you can love America and still be able to give it some tough love to make it better. Right. Absolutely. We, Absolutely. We, we don't raise our children to just tell them they're perfect and pretty all the time. If not, they turn into rotten children. Right. Absolutely. You got to give tough love. Absolutely. And in this whole that everything has to be rosy in our history is. Yeah. It's part of the problem, Julie. Yeah. I mean, again, because it desensitizes. It desensitizes audiences in general. It desensitizes audiences to the truth. Because I absolutely remember growing up and not being told about Trail of Tears and exactly what that looked like, never being told about the brutality of slavery, uh, never being told about the brutality of slavery. We understood slavery, but we didn't understand the brutality of slavery. Never being told about the 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 harsh conditions and the unjust uh, treatment of of Irish people when they came to this country. We we understood the potato famine or the Irish famine. I can't yep. remember the potato the famine. exact title of it, but yeah, but never really explaining explaining what was really going on with that. So I do remember those things. I'm not a historian. And, and I'm not certainly the, the one who's going to recount what happened in third grade and fourth grade, but I don't remember those those things being an issue. And so I actually, as an older person, started to look at my, my children's books and I'm like, let me see your notes. And I'm like, here you are. These folks are, they're not teaching the truth. And we're talking recent. So this whole 1776 Garbage is garbage. That's exactly what it is. Yes. Yes. Thanks for saying garbage. You're making my potty mouth look really, really bad today. And the debut <laughs> of Beyond Business, of discussion, <laughs> stream live. You know how it is. So Wharton, actually, I love this because Wharton has a brand new dean. I think she was installed back in the beginning of the summer, uh, Dean Erica James. Um, the first black woman to be the dean of the school of business. And so 
Uh, in any event, Wharton has kicked off this series of discussions uh, on their LinkedIn page, and the discussions are going to tackle complex and, and pressing issues impacting individuals and organizations actually across the world. So it's not just a U.S. thing. It's not just a academic or collegiate thing, but, but they want to talk about business. And uh, part of uh, the series is going to tackle on tackle systemic racism and how it impacts business and society as a whole. And I checked out the first lecture, which we have a link to in the show notes. I checked out the first one, and there are going to be two additional parts in this series. So make sure you take a look or, yeah, take a look, have a listen. It's about an hour in duration. Uh, fascinating. Well, I wouldn't say fascinating conversation, but a good conversation just the same. And maybe you'll find it fitting uh, you know, to mark your calendar and say, I want to listen to the rest of the uh, episodes in this particular series. But love what Wharton is doing there. And shout out to Dr. Dean Erica James for uh, her role inside of the Wharton School of Business. So let's get into this week's Yeah, show. very nice, very nice. I'll definitely check that out. So just a really quick mention for me, since I needed something positive to kind of carry me through this week, is that this week Alabama constituents voted to remove segregationist and racist language from their 1901 constitution um, by an overwhelming majority, I believe, nearly a million and a half Alabamians um, voted to remove that language. So we're looking for small steps in the right direction. I'll give that one to Alabama. Uh, okay. No? We'll see. I mean, again, you, we got a lot of work to do down there with those states, man, for real. Uh, and, and you know what? That might be a bit lopsided for me to say, because we got a lot of work to do with a lot of our States. Yes. Speaking of language, uh, Vanport, Oregon. I learned this a couple of weeks ago. Vanport, Oregon was the first, uh, well, Oregon was the first state to outlaw slavery. Okay. However, I think they did it in like 1840 something. However, in their constitution, their state constitution, they had language up until 2000 that said black people couldn't live in. What? No way. Oh, my God. uh, Take a look. You go Google Vanport, Oregon, and get a peek at some of Vanport's history. And while you're there, get a peek at some of Oregon's history. To close out the show, we want to actually talk just a tad bit about um, the blueprint for racial equity from a CEO's perspective. Uh, and this report was actually done by some incredible people over at FSG. Love the work that they do. I've actually had a couple of uh, interactions with Lakshma. Um, it wasn't with her directly, but with her boss. Uh, they've been on you know, my show at SiriusXM, and they put together an incredible report. They actually work with I can't remember the the other guy's name. Ah, it's escaping me now, and I apologize for not being prepared and having his um, his name in front of me. But they have this incredible link which we're going to share, which talks about how you can attack uh, racial equity inside of your organizations. And for a lot of uh, a lot of leaders, they struggle with where to start. 
Like they don't know how to really kick this thing off. You you hear people, Julie, saying it's not enough to be, um, um, what is well, how do they say it? You can't be non-racist. You have to be anti-racist. Yes. That anti is an amplification, and 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 admittedly, I'm not a person who says that. I, I don't really. That's not a phrase. That's not a position that I I, I necessarily take, because I kind of feel like you know, Julie. If you look, if you ain't racist, I'm all right with that. But but I I understand also where those folks are coming from in their argument around really pressing the anti-racism piece. But this is a really good read. It breaks down some of the aspects of designing HR policies and practices that are actively anti-racist and not merely racist, like yep. I just uh, example, talking about exam, uh, expanding worker power and voice. Um, Julie, this was the one that really got me uh, designing products and services that center racially equitable outcomes. And inside of that, they give you three bullet points. We could have probably come up with you know, 30 more, but the one that stood out was um, actively analyzing the implicit and unintended impact of your products, capital, and services on consumers of color so that you can redesign or discontinue those products. They say, ask questions like, is your grocery delivery service only accessible to predominantly white zip codes and leaving out lower income black zip code that are often uh, consumed or uh, experiencing food desert. That's something that I talked about earlier in COVID. Talked about that heavily when we talked about the disparities that arose out of COVID. They say, ask, is your AI software running photo recognition that exhibits racial bias? Julie and I have talked a number of times about Amazon's technology and a couple of other organizations, racial, um, uh, facial recognition technology. We've also talked, Julie, if you recall, stories about the federal government using it at the border and in other places. We talked also about Congress and how Congress, um, they went through some facial recognition uh, software and I can't remember the number of congressional people, but it came back saying that they had criminal records. So, and we laughed because I think we probably said some of them are criminals. <laughs> oh. nonetheless, nonetheless, this is a good read. We're going to put the note up for you all so that you can get it. Uh, I'm not going to get caught out there with too many jokes because I'm not really a jokester. <laughs> but uh, we're going to make sure we put it out there because I believe it's an incredible read for those of you and not just CEOs, but any anyone who is struggling with how do we double down on our effort, our statement of support for um, disenfranchised communities? How do we double down on our effort to build uh, a better culture in our organization? How do we show our people that we absolutely care internally and externally? Because we do have to show up in community. How do we do something that helps to mitigate or take us off of that path of racism that Citibank says has cost the country uh, $16 trillion in GDP. How do we get off of that path? So this is a good read. Uh, Definitely going to share the link with you all in the show notes. Make sure you take some time to not only read it, 
but to share with other people. Agree, agree. So name drops this week? Yeah, I do have a name drop. Before I do that, I want to say what's happening to Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Okay. Katie is down there in Arizona. I swear to God, I hope when you hear this, Katie, folks in your state act like they got some of that act right my grandma talked Mm -hmm. about. Shout out to the both of you for dropping your first episode of your new podcast called Inclusive AF. Oh, okay. You all doing your thing. I took a listen at 3 something a.m. Was it this morning, the other morning? I can't remember, but nonetheless, I listened to it. It was cool. Hey, Julie, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a poke fun at them real quick. So so they actually recorded it, but they they recorded it and didn't introduce themselves. <laughs> these young bucks. Rookie yeah, mistakes. These young, yeah, these young podcasters, they recorded their podcast and they didn't introduce themselves. So they actually, here's what's cute. They actually did themselves up. All new backdrop. Makeup. I mean, you know, just real cute. Say they name, and then they they bolted it on to the episode. It was too funny. But shout out to Jackie and Katie. I wish the both of you the absolute best uh, as you all continue to record. And then my name drop is Mr. Joey V. Price. He put a post up on Instagram, and this post was. Funny, and I got to tell it to you. So the post read, um, who led the digital transformation of your company? A, the CEO, B, the CTO, or C, (laughs) COVID-19? Love that. Love that. And the bottom line is, it's true. So many of us fell prey to something that, we had no idea would come through the way that it has come through. And so the challenge, tying it back to the top of the conversation, is to really think about how do we show up better? How do we move and operate more in the present and stop ignoring the things that are happening around us because of our party affiliation, because of the rank we have in an organization, because it may put Uh, our next promotion at risk. How do we start to pay attention to the truth of what's happening and do what's perhaps uncomfortable, but do exactly what we know is being a better human? Shout out to you, Joey Price, for the poll. All right. And mine is to who I fully believe will be our first female first Black American and first Indian American Vice President, Miss Kamala Harris. I'm putting it out there. That's my stake in the ground. Flag is flying. Flag is flying. Truth over the airways. Mm-hmm. Truth over the airways. In the words of B.B. King, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. We close, reminding each and every one of you to Just share the pod. We're trying to grow even as we approach the holidays and the end of our second year. We are feverishly trying to grow our pod. We appreciate our sponsor, Gusto. We have a new sponsor coming on next month. Julie and I are committed. We're happy about what it is we do. We sometimes are tired and frustrated, 
But overall, we are happy about what it is that we do. And it's for that reason, we'll see you all next week. For now, Julie and I are go. See ya. So, Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. So Tom S. said Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom, but do you have more? Yes, I have another one from Sation who says Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.